Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, good morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, and I hope that you do, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. As Danny said, uh, we're going to continue the series Made for This. And I just want to stop and I want to pause. I know Pastor David's watching. I want to say thank you for the honor and privilege to be able to open up the Word of God in front of our people. And thank you, Pastor Danny, for, for allowing me this opportunity. And thank you. Um, it's good to serve you every single day. I have the privilege of serving in the life of our church, but it is wonderful to be able to open up God's Word. Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be in just a minute. Made for this is our series. Stacy last week introduced us again to how to stay connected to the heart of the Father through short prayers. Prayers of scriptures over our life so that when the world feels chaotic, we stay connected to the one who's holding the world together. And this week, all I want to do is challenge us and encourage us with two other thoughts that the people of God, followers of Jesus in this season are made for this moment in these two specific ways. You and I are made to give and to serve. In a season where people may be running away and saying, I don't have anything to give, I want to get. And many people are saying, I need to be served and not served. The church of Jesus Christ is strategically placed and uniquely equipped for this moment. To be men and women who follow Jesus wholeheartedly and lead others to do the same by giving and serving. Around here, I've heard Pastor David say it this way, that we are never more like Jesus than when we're giving of ourselves and serving others. We are never more like Jesus than when we are giving of ourselves and serving others. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Read along with me. Not out loud. That gets confusing with all of us. So here we go. Starting in verse 1. He, that is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, that's the crowds, all the people around, they all grumbled he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And this beautiful response by Jesus was very simply this. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. And this mission statement of Jesus for his entire life, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray together. Father, in the few moments that we have, I pray that your word will get in us. Deep into our hearts, stir within us a passion, not only for your word, but to be 
Lord, we want to be conduits of your grace to the people around us. Lord, we know that this is a season that's been crazy for so many people and we just want to be exactly who you've called us to be, to step into brokenness, to be light in darkness. Lord, make it so in our lives. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I love the story of Zacchaeus. I don't know if it's because I was four foot 10 and 97 pounds when I started high school so that I feel like I can relate to somebody who has to climb a tree to see stuff. Or maybe you're like me. I, I grew up in church and so I grew up singing a song. Zacchaeus was, a, anybody know it? A wee little man and a, a wee little man was he, right? But you don't have to grow up in church to see the beauty of this story. You don't have to have sung that song over and over and over as a child to see life change take place when Zacchaeus comes in contact with Jesus. What I love more about this story more than anything is that the unexpected happened. That the one that nobody would ever think could get to Jesus, Jesus makes himself available to him. And something dramatic takes place. So here's what's happening. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Luke in his gospel, ever since Luke chapter 9, is taking Jesus to Jerusalem, which will be the, the climax of his earthly ministry. It's leading into the final week of his life. He's about to enter in on what we call Palm Sunday, riding in on a colt. And there's going to be the cheers of the people. He's going to teach and he's going to heal folks. And then he's going to see all this persecution coming from the religious leaders. He's going to be betrayed by one of his own disciples. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be crucified on a cross. He's going to be laid in a borrowed tomb but he will be gloriously resurrected on that Easter Sunday morning. Y'all, it's about to be a busy week. Are you following me? And Jesus, 15 miles away from Jerusalem in the city of Jericho, has this encounter with this man, Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus, we know he's a wee little man, but I want you to see what else Luke says about him because it helps frame the beauty of this story. So in Luke chapter 19, verse 2 and 3, listen to how Luke describes who Zacchaeus is. Luke says that Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector and that he was very rich. Those two things go hand in hand because here's what tax collecting meant. Well, first of all, none of us like to pay taxes. Can I get a head nod? We don't like to pay taxes. It's the same thing in first century Palestine, that, that this is what it is, that nobody wants to pay taxes. But it's even worse for the Jewish people because tax collectors were Jewish men who worked for the hated Roman government. And what they would do is they would often overcharge their own people, exploit their own people, and they became very wealthy. So Zacchaeus was not only a tax collector, but Luke says he's the chief tax collector. It's the only time in the New Testament that that phrase is used. So other, in other words, he not only probably skimmed off the top extorting his own people, he probably skimmed off the top of all the other tax collectors. And as a result, Luke tells us he's a wealthy man. He's a tax collector, he's rich, and he's small in stature. Friends, that's the worst combination if you're trying to be in a crowd to see Jesus. Are you with me? It wasn't just that he was short. There's elbows happening, right? There's snide remarks. You're not about to get into there. You're not getting close to Jesus. This is what Zacchaeus faces. But something else is stirring inside of his heart. I'm blown away every time that I read this passage and it says in verse three, look again. 
He was seeking to see who Jesus was. Friends, here's the beauty of it. He was, yes, a tax collector and rich and probably done horrible things, extorting his own people. And yet something is stirring in his spirit that he decided to hike up his robe, take off down the road, and to get into a tree. None of that was culturally acceptable for a grown man to do. Kids could do that, maybe even women, but a grown man wasn't supposed to do that. It's amazing what desperation does for us. When we want to see Jesus. And I love what happens. Here's the first truth that I just want to encourage us today. As we're trying to be men and women who are made to give and to serve. It's very simply this. When we have a genuine encounter with Jesus, we can't help but give generously. When we have a genuine encounter with Jesus, we can't help but give generously. Look at it again in verse 8. So, so Jesus passes by. He calls Zacchaeus down, invites himself into his home, and all the people begin to grumble. Zacchaeus stands up, and you hear what Zacchaeus says in verse 8. He says to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Can you imagine the number of people he has cheated in his lifetime? Can you imagine the amount of wealth that he's accumulated and yet something happens right here? What is it? What would cause a man who has access to all of this wealth, who's been living in sinfulness, extorting his own people, what would cause that man to say, I'll give half of it away and I'll pay fourfold that that I've stolen? Can I offer this to you? One word. Grace. Grace. You see, the only possible explanation for any unrighteous person, Zacchaeus, you, me, the only explanation of life change in any of our lives is the grace of God. <laughs> Friends, grace is the unmerited favor and blessing of God onto humanity. Graces out of God's own initiative, at his own expense, giving to us what we could never give to ourselves. Grace. You want to know why Zacchaeus could make this declaration? You want to know why you and I can be generous no matter what's happening in the world around us? Because when grace shows up, greed walks out. Can I show it to you? I'm going to do it anyway, but I like your approval. Can I show it to you? Verse chapter 19, verse 5. Look again how Jesus engages with Zacchaeus. Verse 5 tells us this, that when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. What's, what's gracious about this? Can I tell you? Here's the deal. Jesus stopped in his tracks, came to the place where Zacchaeus was because grace meets us right where we are. But Jesus didn't just show up and look at him and give him a head nod and walk away. Instead, he looked at him. He gave him his attention because watch this, friends. Grace doesn't just meet us right where we are. Grace sees us exactly how we are. A grown man in a tree, desperate to see Jesus. And that catches the attention of the Savior. 
Friends, I don't know where that strikes you today, but you could be a single mom trying to figure out where you're going to pay your bills next. You could be a furloughed father of four right now, not sure what you're going to do with your family. You could be a single adult and you don't know what the next step is. You could have lost your job during the pandemic. And here's what I want to tell you, friends. Grace not only gets to where you are, grace sees you as you are. And that's a good thing. I love, I love what Jesus does though. It wasn't a head nod and a walking by. Jesus spoke to him. And you can imagine what's going on in Zacchaeus' heart. Here he is in a tree, y'all, in a tree. And you can imagine all the religious leaders, all they have ever done is chastise him. And he's waiting. When Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down, hurry down. He's curious, what would be next? And instead of condemnation, he got an invitation. And this is what grace does. Grace meets us where we are. It sees us how we are. Grace calls us by name. And grace invites us into relationship. Greed made him physically wealthy, but grace made him spiritually healthy. It might cost him all that he has, but friends, when you meet Jesus, you can't put a value on what it means to be with Jesus. So when we have a genuine encounter with Jesus, friends, we will give generously of our life because when grace shows up, greed walks out. But I don't want you to miss this. What happens with Zacchaeus in the response that Jesus has to him is very simply this as well. We can give generously because gratitude, not guilt, becomes our greatest motivation. Jesus didn't look at Zacchaeus and say, jump through this hoop, go clean your house, fix everything. Jesus gave him grace and out of gratitude, Zacchaeus responded with generosity. Some of us, I think, wrestle with this because many of us may still be trying to earn our own salvation. So we may give thinking we're trying to impress the Lord. I know y'all are all super spiritual and you never struggle with that, but that may be a reality in our life. Oh, friends, friends, friends. When we see the grace of Jesus... Gratitude will overflow in such a way that we will be generous not to earn, not to prove, not to say, give me salvation, but simply to demonstrate the salvation we've received. And I see this because this is what happens with Jesus. Zacchaeus makes this great declaration. And what does Jesus do? Jesus says in response in verse 9, look at it again. He says this. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. At first blush with the passage, you would think, well, well, Jesus is saying you're now saved because you've given all this stuff. And that's not the case. You see, Jesus called him a son of Abraham. He's already a son of Abraham by birth, but now he's a son of Abraham by rebirth through faith. Because he encountered the grace of of God. How do I know this? Because just one chapter before in Luke chapter 18, Jesus encountered another wealthy person, a rich young ruler. And in Luke chapter 18, here's what happened. He, the, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, knowing there's nothing you can actually do because it's 
grace, not your works. He said, well, well, keep this law, this law, and this law. And the point of that was to drive the man to see that he can't keep the law, that he needs grace, he needs Jesus. And the guy said, yeah, I did it, all of it. My life is all together. And Jesus, I can imagine, just took a step back and said, one thing you lack, go and sell all of your possessions, give it to the poor, because you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And that rich young ruler walked away like my two-year-old, all dejected like this. And then Jesus took that as a moment to teach the people around, and he said, how difficult it is for the wealthy to inherit the kingdom of God. And all the people were shocked. And like, whoa, 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 whoa. If the rich people can't get in, what is that, where does that leave us? Jesus said, exactly. What is impossible with man is only possible with God. You and I can be generous, friends. We can live generous lives and give generously of our own life because we serve a Savior who has been generous with his grace towards us. Can I just remind you of it? Can I just remind you when the spirit of greed may, may, may bubble up inside of us and we need to push it down? Can I just tell you what Jesus has done for you and done for me? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 tells us that God made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. John 3, 16, we all know this one tells, for God so loved the world that he, what, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him we might be saved. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4, after he said that we're all objects of the wrath of God. And it's like, well, what are we going to do? It says, but God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, he has made us alive together in Christ Jesus, because by grace you have been saved. And then verse 8, you know what it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Over and over and over we see that the grace of Jesus Christ is what produces within us a gratitude that moves us into good works. Oh, friends, I hope you see that and I hope you feel it. J.D. Greer, a pastor in North Carolina, once said this. He said, when was the last time your generosity made somebody question your sanity? Now, there may be a lot of reasons why people question your sanity. But when was the last time that generosity caused people to question your sanity. Look, friends, if we have a heart that is open to receive the grace of God, may we have hands that are open to give the grace of God. And I can hear what you're saying now, Brian, it's a pandemic. I don't have any resources. I lost my job or I was furloughed and, and I'm not a wealthy tax collector, so I can't just be like, well, I'm just going to give half my goods and I'll probably still be okay. That's what I love what happens right after this. You and I don't have to be a, a wealthy tax collector who defrauded people and now we're going to pay them back fourfold. We don't have to be those kind of people. We simply need to be men and women who are faithful managers of what God has already entrusted to us. You see, that's what takes place in verse 11 through 27 right after this. Jesus tells a story. He and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem, like I said. And they're expecting the kingdom of God to come immediately, meaning they think that Jesus is going to overthrow the Roman government and he's going to reestablish Israel and they're going to have power like in the days of, of, of David and Solomon. Jesus said, that's not what my kingdom is going to be about right now. You see, the first time Jesus has come, he came as a suffering servant. 
to inaugurate his kingdom, his rule and reign over the hearts of people. But when he comes back, he's coming as a conquering king and all will be submissive to that king. So what do we do? What do we do between the now and the not yet? What are we supposed to do? So Jesus tells the story about a nobleman who goes away to assume authority over an area in a group of people. And before he leaves, he brings his servants to them and he has 10 of them and he gives each one of them three months worth of wages. And he says to them, engage in business, put it to work, build my kingdom. He goes off, and then when he comes back, he gets a report from the people. And the first servant, first servant said, here, master, here's what I had. I took this one mina, this, this one amount of money, and I made ten. And the master said to him and looked at him and said, man, well done. You'll be over ten cities. And the guy with, uh, with one, uh, the second servant came, and he said, I, I, I had one, and I've got five now. And the master said, great job. You're over five cities. And then the third servant came, and he said, well, I had your one, but I was afraid I heard that you're a hard man, that maybe you reap where you do not sow. And I got scared. I didn't know what to do. So I put it in the napkin and I put it to the side. And the master said, what are you even talking about? If you were really scared, you would have put that money in the bank. That's not what's going on. You were being disobedient to what I asked you to do. Take that mina away and give it to the guy with ten. Here's the purpose of the parable. Jesus is saying, in between the now and the not yet, you have been entrusted with all that you possibly need to do all that God has called you to do. So put it to work. We are not responsible for what we have not been given. We're responsible for how we use what has been entrusted to us. And let me, before you, you say, well, I, I don't have this and I, I can't do that and I'm not this and I'm not that. Look at me. You have the gospel of Jesus Christ and you have the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling within you. You have all that you need to do all that he's called you to do. And so I just ask you, don't squander it. Don't squat on it. And put it to work. You have gifts that I don't. And the kingdom, the kingdom needs you to put your gift to work. Peter said it this way. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. What I love on the back end of Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 about it's not our good works that saves us. Verse 10 says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Works. Good works don't save, but good works demonstrate that you've experienced and encountered the grace of God. Oh, so friends, let me just remind you. When you and I recognize that we have the king's resources, we can't help but serve sacrificially. Why? We will serve sacrificially. Because for each and every one of us, we serve a God who has given us every single thing that we could possibly need to do all that he has called us to do. 
You and I were made to give and to serve. Grace runs out greed. Gratitude produced inside my heart will lead to generosity. And friends, we will serve sacrificially when we remember that we have access to the king's resources. This is how it's come home to me in my life when I think about some things. I I was born in New Orleans and I I grew up about 60 miles north of the city. In a tiny town with 4,000 people and 40,000 cows. Can I get a shout out? Any small town folks? You know what I'm talking about? Small town enough where everybody already knows what you're going to do before you do it. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about, right? My dad's the pastor of one of the churches in town. So again, everybody already knows everything that I'm going to do. I grew up in the same church. My father pastored a church for 26 and a half years. And I was blessed to be able to watch faithful men and women every single week use all that God had entrusted to them to make a difference in the kingdom. Can I introduce you to Miss Mildred Collins? This is Miss Mildred right here. She's the one in the back. Um, that's me rocking the white pants. You're welcome. <laughs> Didn't know I had that in me, right? And also with hair, but we're wearing our Bible drill shirts. And I don't know if you know what Bible drill is, but Bible drill is sort of like quiz bowl for Bible nerds where you memorize scripture and then you have a competition to, to search the, the Bible for certain verses and, and books of the Bible. Ms. Mildred Collins was already in her 60s before I ever got to Bible drills as an elementary school student. Miss Mildred lived in a single wide trailer. She drove a car that broke down every other week, it seemed like. She had no earthly resources, but what she had was the Spirit of God and a passion for the Word of God, and she invested in me. And I know when she saw Jesus face to face, she heard, she heard well done, good and faithful servant. Because friends, you don't have to be a tax collector to experience God's grace. You don't have to have a full wallet to understand generosity. Friends, what we need to do is to recognize we have the king's resources. And all we need to do is serve sacrificially because we serve a God who has given us all that we need to build his kingdom. Friends, can I just encourage you with this? What if, what if God was raising up thousands of men and women in the life of this church, in this city, who no longer saw themselves as only recipients and receivers of God's grace, but they begin to see themselves in living as reproducers of God's grace in the lives of people around them. What would happen to not only our faith family, but our city, if all of us collectively together realized that God has given us all that we need to carry out his mission. We have the gospel and we have his gifts and we need to put it to work. What if we walked into our office tomorrow or we hopped on that Zoom call and rather than simply see this as a meeting and a people, we start seeing a small congregation that we get to shepherd and pastor over. What if God, what if God would do that in each and every one of our lives? Can you imagine the tremendous impact we have as receivers of the grace of God to be givers of the grace of God? You and I were made to give and to serve. We were made to give and serve 
Because we serve a God who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Two questions I want to leave you with as you go off to lunch and have conversations with your family. And the first one really is this. Is it evident that, that generosity, is it evident in my life? If not, why not? Is generosity evident in my life right now? If not, why not? And here's my encouragement to you. If you're wrestling and struggling with generosity, which friends, all of us do at many times in our life, can I just simply ask you this week, sit in Ephesians chapter 2. Just let that wash over you this week. Second question is really this. Am I using all that God has given and entrusted to me to build his kingdom? Look, you can have a conversation with, with Chris Bacon and Haley Malone and Javi and our students. You can talk to Pastor Heath, Miss Melissa, Miss Nicole, Miss Alexis and children. You can call our group's office and find out all the ways that you can get involved and serve in the life of the church. But here's more than anything that I pray that happens in your heart. You will see that it's only because of God's grace that you get to enjoy relationship him, with him because grace met you where you were, saw you as you are, and grace invited itself into your life. So may we be not just receivers. May we be reproducers of the grace of God in the people around us. You were made for this moment to give generously and serve sacrificially. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. I thank you that the cross and the tomb, those are finished works. We add nothing to it, but God, oh, draw our hearts to realize because you've been so generous. Father, we are to be generous with our lives. Even if we feel like we don't have much to offer, the truth is we have the greatest treasure. We have the gospel. Lord, may we be generous with sharing the gospel. May we be generous with using our gifts. Father, use us to build your kingdom. Lord, make us more like Jesus. May we see the outcast. May we see the sinful. And may we invite them into grace. Stir in my heart and the heart of of so many here. Lord, that we'll be reproducers of that grace. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.